Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Good evening, Blue Jays fans, and welcome to another lovely evening of Jaybird watching. The gang is here. Beers are popping. Everything is going up in space for the Toronto Blue Jays as far as, you know, everything. This offense is going to match, hence the name of uh, this evening's title. Ari Shapiro is our guest with Brendan Panikar and Adam Corsair for the usual rounding out our wonderful holy trinity of uh, Blue Jay bar talk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> All right. I digress, fellas. So first off, how are we all doing? Great. Yeah, doing fantastic. Yeah. Just a second. I got to sell a few shares of GameStop. <laughs> I'm doing well, man. I'm doing well. Great to be here. Good deal. So I guess we'll just dive right into it, fellas, because apparently it's a very exciting time to all of a sudden be a Toronto Blue Jay fan, literally in the last week. <laughs> so that's about the best way I can put it. We've went from literally whining about when this team is going to hurry up and get off the schneid and, uh, you know, stop riding the pine, whatever you want to put it, any baseball acronym insert here. And now they're swinging for the fences, it full on seems like. Um, Ari, I'm going to let you tee this one up. George Springer was quasi in Toronto today for his induction. How excited were you to see him actually talking about the experience of signing with the Toronto Blue Jays and you now the fact that he seems genuinely excited to be joining this young team? You know, it's uh, I'm glad to see he was wearing a mask, number one. And number two, I was just thrilled at the fact that, um, that this happened. I mean, we spent, what, about an hour and a half, it seems like, last time I was on the show, theorizing who would join... Uh, the team, who we should target, which free agents are worth, you know, going after. And I've got to be honest with all three of you, I never in a million years that I think this was going to happen. So there, there's a healthy surrealism here. And, uh, you know, I, I want to criticize facets of it sometimes because it's my nature to look at something and say, all right, you know, it's, it's everyone's excited, but really what are they excited about? No matter what I seem to come up with at the end of the day, um, this is just such a great, thing for Toronto baseball period. This was this needed to happen at some point. And uh, although I'm sure we'll we'll go back at some point talking about uh, the fact that he came from the Houston Astros and and I ran a poll on my Twitter feed and it seemed like one in four people weren't too thrilled that uh, that he he was involved with those Astros. But at the end of the day, everybody was overwhelmed. How can you criticize this? The team went out, they spent money. They got the best guy available for specifically what they needed to become the kind of team that has positional flexibility. And I love saying that positional flexibility, right? Because we knew, we knew from last year's playoffs 
and what's going on with this infield situation right now and in the outfield that there are some guys out there who shouldn't be playing in the positions that they are. We're just kind of accepting that they can for now. This gives them the ability to do it. Um, get a, getting Marcus Semien's a, a pleasant surprise. I thought getting Brantley was an, an even better surprise, but we now know that like Lemmings on social media, sometimes you got to be really careful what you're reading and, and, and what you're reporting. Hint, hint, nudge, yeah. nudge, wink, wink, say no more. You know who you are, right? Uh, the, the media knows who they are. But uh, yeah, to me, this was this was fantastic because he, he, he brings so much with him too. his story in itself, how he became a success story in baseball, the adversity he had to deal with the way he got hosed with that whole free agent uh, rule that ended up biting him in the ass in terms of how quickly he could start earning. This is a feel good story for so many reasons. And I think the Blue Jays are finally showing their fans that, you know, notwithstanding what criticism you've given Shapiro, Shapiro and Atkins. It's a law firm, Shapiro, Shapiro, and Atkins. Um, no matter what criticism you've given them, at the end of the day, it looks like they really are going all out to try to become a serious playoff contender this year. Mr. Panikar, you are the one that was probably the most excited on this news. How are you feeling today after watching him uh, you know, put on the jersey? Well, I just got to make a comment first. Leave it yeah. to Steve Simmons to be the reporter, to br- the only reporter during the whole press conference to bring up the cheating scandal uh, and ask a question around that. Of course, it's Steve Simmons, the guy who broke the confidentiality or whatever it was when Austin Matthews got COVID-19 and he tweeted that out, or the guy to get into fights with Jose Bautista or whoever it is. Can we stop inviting Steve Simmons to these events? Because there's, he's single-handedly going to scare people away uh, and not want them here anymore. But anyway, all jokes aside, it was exciting. And Look, I think just to build off of some stuff Ari was saying, and I'm sure um, this sentiment is shared by a lot of people, Springer wouldn't have signed here probably if he didn't believe in what the team could accomplish over the next few years. Obviously, money talks. He's won a World Series already, so he has set himself up for his big payday. But at the same time, I'm sure he wants to win again. Like, how awesome would it be for Springer if he can, I wouldn't say diminish or make the low or the Astros World Series win from 2017 a little more or a little less relevant on his resume. If he can be the main piece of the Blue Jays winning a World Series during the uh, tenure of his contract, I think that will be looked upon much more favorably than his Astros tenure. And just all the stuff he was saying about how much Ross and Mark Shapiro, uh, the law firm or whatever Ari called it, uh, <laughs> Mark Shapiro and Ross Atkins stand by their their players. And it, it, I think the sell job they did uh, really came through in some of the answers that Springer had to the questions they got fed today. So I don't see how anything uh, could make a Blue Jays fan upset or question the signing uh, on any on any front after what we heard today. Adam? Yeah, you. Th- the the main takeaway I had with this is that there was a serious change in narratives, right? And, you know, for a long time, we as Blue Jays fans, we were under the assumption, and maybe it was a, a correct one, that uh, free agents just didn't want to go to Toronto. Toronto wasn't a destination for free agents given, I don't know, travel, customs, I don't know, whatever reason you want to throw out there to sort of get in the way. Springer today in the, sp- in the press conference laughed that off basically right and he said I, it didn't even come into the equation i didn't really even think about it i would just wanted to join a team that was poised to win right and that's what the blue jays are at least attempting to do obviously things happen in baseball we can't predict uh anything with any sort of accuracy most of the time um but 
when it comes to this, it, it's a change in the narrative. We had a high profile, if not the most high profile free agent of the 2021 class. Right. We got him. And I think this ends the narrative of, you know, high profile, high impact players don't want to come to Toronto because, I mean, this is two in a row. Right. Two. This is this is the yeah. two in a row, two years in a row where we've had impactful players that were chased on the market that we were able to acquire, outbid, outdo other teams to get right and it also speaks to the confidence of the young core that springer has emphasized in the in the presser saying you know a big reason why he wanted to join the team and of course this can be lip service obviously the number one reason why he wanted to join the team is money money talks let's let's be honest but um having cavin having Bo, having vlad having pearson having these players lordis um on the team definitely helps Right. It definitely gives a little bit more incentive to, hey, not only am I going to get paid, we have a legitimate shot at winning. Right. And, if, you know, I know I don't want to jump the gun here, but if they can just fix up the, the starting rotation, this team, man, this team is going to be is going to be deadly. And it's not just going to be deadly for the short term, like 2015 and 16. This is a year, a yearly thing that we can expect to assume that this team is playoff contenders. So it to me, that's what thing was. It was a complete shift in narratives complete shift in narratives is a great way of summarizing it adam i agree with you a hundred percent and how much of this do you think was the fact that why we're going to get through the next piece of this so i'm just going to say segue points here because you were all talking about how this is going to be alluding to what just happened does marcus simeon make this move to come to toronto on a one-year deal without George Springer signing here would be a very adequate question. But just to, you know, throughout the narrative here for all Blue Jays fans that may be living under a rock or weren't reading the, the news in the last few days, but Marcus Semyon is going to be on the Blue Jays for an $18 million one-year deal. And this lines up very good with where the Blue Jays are for the next season and going forward. So it's a great signing in my opinion. And Adam, seeing you just heat up that last one and you were pointing on the whole segue thing. Go ahead and keep running with this. Simeon, great move, or uh, what are you thinking? Oh, it's a great move. Um, <laughs> on, on paper, it's a great move. I have no issues with it. Do I think, to answer your first question, do I think he comes here if Springer's not? Yeah. $18 million uh, for a one-year de- Yeah, he's coming here. Um, and it, it's, it's, a, it's a deal to sort of recoup his value because he's hoping for a multi after this because the start of the 2020 season for him was rather rough. But at the end, he was kind of mashing, right? And if he can maintain that, and obviously consistency in baseball is a hard thing to bank on, but if he can, you know, have that throughout a, a sample of 162, Blue Jays are in really good shape, and especially into the playoffs. Selfishly, this gives me a lot of red flags when it comes to Kevin Biggio, right? I, I, he's my man crush Monday. Everybody knows about it. I, I love this man on this team. I do not want him traded. Moreover, I do not want him playing third base, right? So if he's going to do anything, he's going to be playing in the outfield. And now we have a surplus of outfielders, right? And again, I don't want to get into too many segues here, but someone's got to go. You can't trot this team. We'll get to that. (laughs) Someone's got to go. But when it comes to Simeon, yes, we needed needed a, a proper infielder. This means that they have confidence in Bo to keep him at short, which was Simeon's you know, natural position. You want to keep Bo at shortstop. That means he is there. That is his position to lose. He's not moving off of it. Do I see Simeon playing short or even third sometimes? Of course. You're going to have off days. You're going to have spell days. It's going to happen. But to have an everyday second baseman and not 
have this super utility that, although Cavan was good at it, we still didn't have an everyday second baseman. Now we do at least for the year. And who knows? We can extend him a qualifying offer next year. Anything can happen. But I think on paper, $18 million a year, I don't even find that to be a gamble. I think it's fine. And I, I think he's going to fit right in for this team. It's almost the equivalent of adding somebody like, when was the last time we had an actual second baseman match 20 home runs? Was it Aaron Hill? I was going to say Hill. Yeah. Yeah. That's not familiar. Right there for a little while. Oh, worst case scenario. It's another guy. Wherever he bats in his lineup, it's another 20 home run guy. It's hard. It's hard to say not success, right? All right. Brennan, pick it up. Yeah, I uh, I really like Adam's point about the qualifying offer because especially if he has a good year, um, he signed for just below what a qualifying offer would be. Um, and clearly that was probably the highest dollar amount he was going to get from anybody else. But you could extend him a qualifying offer, um, which he probably would reject if he has himself a very nice 162-game uh, season, assuming that's the length of the season that we get. Um, and then you could get a, a pick back. Now, I don't know how that's all going to change with the CBA expiring and with some of the other news and notes from that from, from that kind of stuff earlier this week. Um, it's not off to a good start uh, mm-hmm. with the whole National League and, and are we going to get a DH and all that stuff. So, But that's a future problem. Um, they, as of right now, um, it, it's great that they paid Simeon. He's definitely worth it. Um, now, that's looking a little bit more like an outlier just compared to Rear, but... As you mentioned, Adam, he started slow last year, but he picked it back up to that pace he was in 2019. So maybe he's turned a corner as a hitter and defensively as well. So no, it's a great pickup. It's, uh, it's again, if, if he does not come back after this season, with the guys they've signed on one-year deals, and whether that's Robbie Ray, Marcus Simeon, um, and other guys, um, that's, I think, a total guys on one-year deals or one year's left of your contract, I think around $40 million that they can reinvest into the squad next year. Um, and it also buys another year hopefully of minors uh time for jordan groshans and austin martin uh which if both of them aren't up here or knocking right on the door like Vlad was in 2019 um i would be shocked so it buys another year for that and i am curious i won't go, uh, go down that road until we get to that topic but i am curious what the plans for kevin bgo are and i'll, I'll leave it there watch your tongue sir <laughs> <laughs> He's going to drop the cattle on you. So, Ari, I'm going to let you wrap this up, but we just added a guy for $18 million, as Brendan and Adam laid out here, for more or less what would have been a qualifying offer. He is projected right now, way too early projections on baseballreference.com, as a 255 hitter with 20 20 home runs and 67 RBIs. In Rogers Center, that sounds pretty doable. And, God, what if we end up playing in Buffalo? Or Dunedin. (laughs) Him, yeah. him betting on himself and coming to Toronto to play with the Blue Jays this season could be very, very spectacular to watch as he's trying to obviously outdo himself. And be, Spectac- uh, spectacularly easy decision to make, too, when you've only got to do a you know one-year uh, qualifying uh, cost commitment. But, um, yeah, I'm sorry. My mind is still lingering with a reference to Aaron Hill. Who was it again whose uh, perfect game he botched at the end there? Was it Halliday or Stroman? Who, who had – what was it? Was it, that's it. It was Morrow. Brandon. Morrow. It was Morrow. Do you remember that? For some reason, and, and this is just such a shame because Aaron Hill had such a really solid couple of years with the Blue Jays. But I'm sorry, that's all I remember was how he he, he couldn't he couldn't you know mail it home. So thanks for those memories, uh, Craig. <laughs> and his Aaron Hill references. Listen, uh, Semyon, 
look, it's redundancy, right? It's it's options. It it scares Adam for the right reasons, which is what what's in store for Biggio, and what does it mean with Bichette's health as well, right? That's another consideration. What happens if he's got any lingering uh, effects on his health? I don't know. It's, it's funny. It's it, signing a player like this is almost like the Maple Leafs going out and and signing, you know. Uh, a guy that they know won't be around very long, but really changes the complexion of what their team is trying to do. And uh, they also have a core of young players. What's interesting about the Blue Jays is that there's been no discussion to this point of trading any of those pieces. But I'm sorry, if you're going to start landing players like a Semyon and a Springer and give yourself the opportunity to appreciate that maybe Teoscar Hernandez shows up continuing to act like, you know, a guy who's proven me wrong because I don't know if you guys remember, I had a couple of you on my shows back in the day and I would pummel the hell out of this guy because of, of how, how just what kind of poor discipline and no idea what he's doing at the plate. But it looks like he's figured it out. And we talked about Guriel Jr. as a wild card last uh, couple of week, uh, weeks ago when I was on the show. Um, I just like the fact that it gives them flexibility. Who knows? Uh, your guy who's two years removed finishing what? Top three in MVP voting? He's obviously figured it out. And he might want to sign a long-term contract if the Blue Jays decide that they've got to go after certain pitching pieces. And by the way, I like that point. I think it was Adam who made it earlier. Maybe it was you, Craig, about, uh, you know, back-to-back years. I think Adam said, you know, they've done it twice now. They got Ryu last year and they got Springer this year. And for a fan base that's been suffering. And, you know, I recently on on my podcast, I spoke with uh, Arden Zwelling from Sportsnet. And I really hammered home on the fact that, you know, I had a lot of criticism for this front office, but moves like this dispels any notion that they're just sitting on their hands. And uh, that's why I think uh, there's excitement. It's subdued excitement. You can only get so excited during a pandemic, but it's a good thing. It's a really, really good thing uh, that they address the fact that they missed out on Brantley and picked up a semi. And again, positional flexibility should be the name of this week's episode. <laughs> I like the one I went for this lineup now, Nash. And it will. That. And uh, Brendan, it's your turn to go first here. How does this lineup do anything but not produce obscene amounts of numbers? Fangraphs is projecting him as a top five offense in Major League Baseball this season, not just the American League, the Major League Baseball in general. That's pretty exciting for Blue Jays fans that remember the echoes of 2015 or Whamco to go to that avenue. Yeah, no, they, after adding Simeon yesterday, um, they passed the Mets for projected F war. And that's just not offensively. That's the entire team. And considering the state of the pitching, especially in the rotation at this point, that's impressive. And you must like, you don't make a move for Springer to make a move for Marcus Simeon and leave your pitching unprotected. There's going to be a move there, whether it's through trade, whether it's bringing back Walker or Odorizzi, whoever it is, we've thrown that those scenarios out there so many times throughout the off season. But uh, yeah, right now on paper, they're the fourth best team in baseball, according to Fangraphs projections. So um, that's exciting uh, to see them up there with the Dodgers, the the Yankees, uh, and I think the third team is the Padres. That's right ahead of them. Um, and the Padres have had themselves a hell of an offseason too. So look, uh, last week after after they added Springer, um, and now that we can say with Simeon in the fold, I don't want to call them the 2015 offense. I, I'm, I'm erring on the side that it's more like the 2016 team. That was still pretty damn good offensively, but not quite 2015 because that was historic level stuff. I don't know if we'll ever see that again. But you never know. If everything clicks and Vladdy, uh, a more slender Vladdy, takes a step forward, if uh, if Bo is healthy for all 162 or, or 155 or whatever amount that he plays, um, Guriel continues what he's done. T. Oscar's breakout is real. 
then you could start thinking of what could be, and maybe it could be reminiscent of that 2015 team that was winning 10 to eight and and nine seven and and all those crazy scores that happened before the David Price trade and the Tulo trade. So yeah, they're going to be very very competitive on the offensive side of things at least to start the season. But look, they're still going to add a starter or two to this rotation. I don't think that's uh, even in the question. There will be another move. Brendan, do you, can, can I just interrupt and throw this in here, Brendan, on the Tulo reference? That was with the Tulo in 2015, who was so emotionally angry and constipated that he was a permanent, <laughs> he was a permanent, he was permanently grumpy every at bat. Like when you look back Truth. at what he did in that yeah. lineup, he it's like he did it with one leg. Yeah, can you imagine true. if he was actually relaxed and motivated what they could have done? Man, grumpy Tulo was the worst. Uh, I think that's oh. I think that's 2015 playoffs did for him because he went off a little bit compared to what he was doing after that acquisition finally and he had a couple key clutch home runs in that texas series so there was some big things there for uh troy Tulowinski back there but good point and ari if you want to continue and pick this one right up man it can be your turn oh i've got nothing to add other than you know bp hit it on the nail you know he, he summarized it perfectly um uh, i i love offensive baseball as much as the next person you know um, offensive baseball, the irony of the double entendre of that for the Blue Jays, because it's been offensive for a while. You know, the, nobody likes the idea that you're going to see a, a lot of games where a team just strikes out a lot and struggles. And the Blue Jays had moments like that still last year. But more often than not, I think you notice down the stretch as they approach the playoffs that they were starting to take command of games in much like those 2015 Blue Jays used to do. Remember, like, they would eventually win 10-8, 12-6, whatever. But there were moments where they would fall behind and they would just roar back. They would just absolutely roar back. And I think that's what this team has now is a ridiculous one through nine potential where you can build a lineup, mix up uh, the lefties with the righties, and uh, basically give the kids a chance to grow up and mature a little bit by being insulated with the likes of a Semyon or a Springer, by having Hernandez now walking in as a big brother of sorts. He's still, you know, he's... He's not exactly a spring chicken anymore, but he's now learned enough that I think it hinges on his breakout season and in being a legitimate force in the lineup because that's what that 2015 lineup had. It had players that you were scared to face and you would overlook guys who would capitalize. And I think this is the year for players like uh, Abigio and players like Aguero Jr. to really show what they're capable of doing with some protection in the lineup. That's what, what it is in baseball. Right. Fundamentally, are you protected as a hitter? And boy, oh boy, Springer's got some experience with that. That's what I like. Adam? Yeah, it, it makes me wonder, you know, Brendan, you, you raised the point that they are the fourth or estimated to be the fourth best offensive team in baseball. Like you look at this lineup. How would you construct it? I'm going to interrupt you. The answer is it doesn't fucking matter because this team is going to it, this team is going to rake. It does not matter how you it, now. Obviously, you want to have your fastest guy up top and maybe Springer's the guy to do it to lead off because he's a dangerous hitter. But I, honestly, I can't complain. And, you know, everyone here knows that I've had my criticisms of Charlie Montoyo. I still think he's a bridge manager. I really do. But even he can't fuck this up. You really can't like you really cannot construct this lineup poorly because it's it it's it's just laid out for you perfectly. It's laid out for you however you want to construct it. It's going to produce. 
right? And it, now I sort of have the the aspect of forgivability to let him be a little fluid and experiment, at least early on, as to how you want to construct this so people can, or rather the players can find their groove. And if you have a lineup that is producing and you stick with it, now you have this this sort of, you know, familiarity with it every day. And that's going to produce dividends for this team. Honestly, it is so exciting seeing this batting lineup. And again, it's the first time since 2015, the second half of 2015, that you can really look at it and say, oh man, this this lineup's dangerous. The only thing that's reminiscent to this is 2013 with the trade right before, after it happened rather. And you're thinking, oh man, this lineup is awesome. And then it wasn't. I don't see how this lineup can fail. I really don't. I they're They're young enough. They're up and coming. Their production is there. And when you add a guy like Springer to this team, it just opens everything up. And when you add Simeon to this team, and again, it just it, it makes things so solidified. I can't see how this lineup can fail. That does not mean I can't see them not winning a World Series. It's baseball. I don't want to hedge my bets on that yet. But in terms of guys, I'm putting it out there. I'm feel you know, I'm getting wild tonight. Fuck it. They're better oh, God, than the race. They're better than the race. They are better than the Rays. Are they better than the Yankees? I don't know. I kind of like the Yankees pitching. I really do. Get me a Paxton. Get me an Odo. And then we can talk. But right now, they are better than the Rays. It's uh, it's, uh, all the other thing I'll say is, and already touched on the 2015 team and winning like 10 8 and and all those crazy scores. If they, this offense now, if they go down 4 0 in the first inning or maybe even after three innings, I am not worried at all. I know there's still a lot of strikeouts in the order, but at the same time, they're powerful enough. We're four nothing. The hell, they'll end up winning eight to four or eight to five uh, and come back. And that's what 2015 was. 2015, you'd go down six nothing in the first inning, come all the way back and win. It was insane. They were never out of a game, and I don't think this offense will ever be out of a game. I don't think there's any way they can be out of a game because just think, even 2015, that was a lineup that scored Ryan Goins in it, Chris Colabello, some of these guys that were literally not even, yeah, exactly, not even thoughts at the beginning of the season and just happened to be enough to piece together what looked like a World Series team come trade deadline in 2015. Right now, there is not anywhere to hide in this lineup except if you're going to make the idea that Danny Jansen's still going to bat a buck 90. I don't see that as normal everyday Danny Jansen. I think that, honestly, the COVID thing in the break really slowed him down last year because I thought they were seeing something good in spring training last year. And then all of a sudden, and stop. <laughs> and then he was scouted. You, 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 especially for years went on about Danny Jensen and I could see why, because once, once I had a chance to appreciate the player up close, it's obvious he's just got to put it together. His issue yeah. is not bad mechanics or a lack of focus or uh, a lack of will. You know, I think I think he probably is the hardest worker on the team, as you want your catcher to be. He's a Pat Borders kind of throwback in that regard, right? Sure. And and Borders had nowhere near the talent of a Jansen. So if I'm Danny Jansen, I'm like, all right, I just got to work on it and put it together and stick with it because it takes time for catchers to become great, uh, let alone good. And uh, but you know, I, I also I was going to say that uh, you know we're talking about what this lineup is capable of, and and the best part is we aren't deluding ourselves. It's not like we're looking one through nine and saying, well, this player hopefully will be optimal, and he's because he's all right, and this player hopefully will have a good year. No, these are talented players. Mm. Um, I don't like living in baseball denial, and I did that with uh, with Pilash. Like, I'm sorry, with apologies to all the, you know, I, I say that jokingly because I call him, it's Kevin Pilar, obviously, for yeah. listeners who are like, what does he mean, P-Lash? Because, know, you know, at, at the end of the day, it was like, I was in denial that Kevin Pilar um, 
could convince me the way the media had convinced everyone that he was uh, a starting center fielder. I mean, guys, let's not lie to ourselves here. He never was a starting center fielder. No. He was just the best option this market had. Yeah. And for a brief moment, excluding that brief moment where he looked like he figured it out, but then ruined it by showing the, the locker room culture, you know, garbage still permeates on the field. He got in trouble with that for a reason. He lost his focus in the game, his commitment to the game. But let's not fool ourselves. He never had this amazing talent where we called him Superman. Yeah, the catches were great. They were legit, by the way. You know, some people probably started complaining later that he was telegraphing his catches. And you could probably make that case because later in his career, it looked like he was acting a bit. But for that memorable summer where he took over and captured our hearts and mind, it cost us three and a half years of living in denial that we had a starter in center. Now we have uh, a top 15 player at center who can stand up and say, I'm the best hitter on the blow my lead. You see, and that that's why the young players now are going to succeed because they've got someone to emulate that with the exception of the year 2017 in baseball. They're probably thinking that he's, you know, uh, God's gift. So... We won't talk about that year. I, I raged on and up on the last show when I thought there was no chance in hell that we'd ever get him. And we got him. Well, I'm not trying to be a hypocrite. I'm not changing my opinion. It sucks, quite frankly. I think it's uh, it's thin with it because I did the research and it turns out he actually does better in high leverage situation when he doesn't hear a trash uh, bin banging. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, when he doesn't hear a trash can, it actually ends helping him. When he does hear it, he struggles because he absurd it is psychologically to sit on a pitch that you know could be. And George Springer right. uses his instincts. And that's why I think he's going to be a great hitter. And I break, as uh, Craig Ayers likes to say from time to time. And uh, all I hope now is that uh, fans understand that uh, it's still going to be a measure of getting the right pitching uh, resources in place. I, man, you get Hendricks. How the hell does Hendricks come to Toronto, meet with the law firm, and doesn't walk away with a multi-year deal? You know, I mean, you want to tell me that the afterwards they were ready to spend that much on George? Like, I'm asking you guys, weren't you dismayed? Because I thought, man, that he's probably going to have a Dwayne Ward-style continuation breakout year, except we didn't get him. But no, Kirby Yates for that matter, and I don't want to step on your show organization here. Craig, but Kirby Yates is a nice concession plan. Just like saying okay, no, a nice concession yeah, plan. No, we, we thought that Liam Hendricks was the only lock the Blue Jays had at free agency. We were yes. all pretty on board with that. And I was more of a Sagano guy. I was hoping for some <laughs> Japanese fun myself, but I hear what you're saying. Yeah. If I thought that he all of a sudden signed with the White Sox, too, it's like they were even in the conversation. I thought this yeah. was a mess. Yeah, yeah. Perks, man, come on, perks. You know, there's some there's some serious red M and M's, if you know what I mean, metaphorically. <laughs> in that deal, so they, they didn't they didn't offer that in Toronto, nor the tax benefits either uh, that he's getting down there. So, you know, but uh, this is exciting. Like hearing, it's funny hearing all three of you tonight talking about this and using all of these really established data analytics. You know, I mean, being told that we can expect the fourth best offensive breakout with a yield that could make them the best in the AL. Um, that's pretty that's pretty music to my ears. It feels good because for years it was just austerity and frustration and soft resets and a lot of bullshit gobbledygook and double talking from the <laughs> from the big corporate heads, you know. But now I, I tip my hat to them. I say at least you're spending a fraction of that huge profit you're making during COVID. So yeah. it makes you look back at that. That was a zinger through and through, by the way. <laughs> <I didn't know. laughs> 
it makes me look back to 2017 and 2018 and be like, what the hell were we doing? <laughs> I know. Younger Solarte! Yeah, yeah Solarte's awesome. He hits but I argued, I had you all, all three of you were on my show during that era when I was doing the Jay's Journal stuff. And I told you specifically that I felt they could have kept that window open for a year if they wanted to. Probably. And they could they, no, they could have. And that's, look, it, it would have been a mistake because we now know that deterioration's happening with, for example, Jose a lot faster than we thought. I thought that was very sad that we went from talking about the home run king to talking about the double A, really? you know, pitching phenom that he's becoming or whatever, you know, <laughs> yeah. like yeah. wacky world, man, Jose Bautista. Anyways, so I, I think that for me, I've got a long memory because it was painful to appreciate how it felt. You know, we've been talking about 2015 and the lineup on the show. What about the feeling, guys? Remember, remember that electricity of for the first time in God knows how many years? What was it? 20, 22 years yeah. since they made it into the postseason? That's a long time, man. That's what's known as a generation. And the problem with waiting a full generation to get back to the postseason is now you realize how old, how long in the tooth you're getting in between these appearances. If you want to tell me that I only had to wait five years from having Shapiro and Atkins get to a point where now they can build a sustainable team, I'd say that's actually pretty good. It didn't feel as good back then because I felt we could have sustained that window. But now we know Tulo didn't want to play here. And we know Jose's skills were deteriorating. And we know that there were other players. Yeah, exactly. Donaldson himself was looking to get paid and, and rightfully so. Although, again, the way they handled it, I felt like he deserved special treatment. What he did during that MVP year was a throwback to George Bell. Was yeah. a throwback to uh, you know the MVP World Series performances. The problem was, man, it was that ground out. God, if you could go back in time, oh, the Ben Revere. What was it? The Ben Revere. Who was the catcher at the time? Yeah, was Andrew, it Navarro? Yeah, Navarro. Do you remember that? Uh, sorry, guys. I, I hate to do this because I'm taking no, this no. back in time with painful. <laughs> exactly. But but the truth is that uh, that team. I think we can all agree probably should have won the world series oh they yes. were built they were built to win you know how you feel and you look at a team objectively and we were being objective we were pinching ourselves because we couldn't believe how good they were but if you think about it that was the moment it didn't happen took la a while they figured it out you know it took tampa bay time to get back they figured it out so didn't they only lose 18 games after the trade deadline like that is some sort of it's insane crazy. run that you probably may not ever be able to do again like they, they were unbeatable as close to unbeatable as you can be in baseball they should have won the World Series. You, you sat down and you expected them to win. Yes. Every, every game. It's not like, oh, will this pitcher beat us? No, it was like, when will we get to this guy? And, and how special it was is that even when R.A. Dickey was taking his turns through the rotation, you're like, R.A. Dickey's going to pitch very, very well tonight. And he did. He was awesome that second half of 20, 2015. <laughs> and so the, the, just to sum it back up, the same excitement that both of you guys are, uh, you know, all of you guys are ex- exuding here. This is what the Blue Jays have to look forward to for 2021. This lineup being the main centerpiece of what this team is becoming. And the fun part about this is, yeah, they might not know where they're going to play, but one way or the other, this offense is going to absolutely absolutely destroy pitchers. And there's nowhere to hide, as we had mentioned. No matter how we piece this lineup together, there's no way that's wrong. I, the only thing that's honestly making me upset is that we can't come up with a cool acronym like WAMCO for this lineup because Charlie will never try to tell it the same thing two days in a row. <laughs> so, like, no, he has about. to. He has He's going to have I don't know how he can play with this cool D nonsense all over again. but Because in all reality, I know Springer loves that leadoff, but with a, where do you put him if you're going to put him at leadoff right now? It seems a little weird with how the construction of this lineup is. 
and who is around him that he's anything but our three-hole guy with probably what is going to be Bichette and Simeon now up at the top. Or at least that would be how I would start my, you know, assault. (laughs) Craig, you're such a sucker for for, uh, offense in baseball, aren't you? I mean, you love it. I mean, I I get this impression that you, like, analyze lineups before a game. And you can, like, (laughs) Like, like, I'll be the my friend come on no, but you're like more you're like morpheus in the matrix in the baseball matrix you're like looking at things and you're already seeing the possibilities and and i can't i can't blame you for gushing this is the lineup that finally we all hoped we would get from a combination of young talent uh free agent signing savvy and hopefully some leadership and if you're uh you know if you're Ross Atkins, who usually gets mocked for not doing anything, he's in the middle of this now, and he's looking like, as a general manager, he's going to make a few more moves, and he can turn this very special this year. Um, I, I just hope these young players, uh, especially the ones who are the sons of baseball royalty in some form or another, realize what a rare opportunity. I mean, what, what do we got? We got Guerrero Jr., we got Vigio, Bichette, Vlad Guerrero Jr. I'm sure someone else on the team, there are a couple other players who have like direct relation to fathers and other people who played this game uh, in various points. It's uh, you know, it's it's a special time. It's it's a reason to be really excited, and we need it now, especially with what's going on around us, either politically or you know the escapism. I've been talking a lot about that. It's like gravitas escapism, but it's important. You need that. You need that. You don't want to cheer for a loser, and if you start cheering for a loser, you do this weird thing like we're Raptors fan. You know, most Raptors fans lost their heads for like two weeks because the team got off to a slow start. But you know what? It always, the cream rises to the top at the end of the day. You know when something is good and has great possibilities. So Toronto fans just have to be patient. I think we're really going to get rewarded. This team's going to learn how to play better. We just need better fundamentals of baseball because right now this team's still, it's got that AAA odor about it. There's way too many Bull Durham moments with this baseball club that shouldn't happen. <laughs> but you know what I mean? Like all, all of you agree, you know, errors are a fact of life, but having a lack of fundamentals it makes me even angrier. And you know what I'm talking about, the stuff that doesn't show up on the score sheet, like when you don't pick up an extra bag when you should, or when you when you start to get clever at the plate and instead of recognizing what the runners are doing, you know, I, I'd like to see more situational hitting. You know, let, let the home runs fly, they will, but I'd like to see good station-to-station baseball. I'm a purist that way, guys, you know that. You know, in honor of what happened in losing Henry Aaron, I'm feeling kind of sad about okay. history. Yeah. You know, not just the, the players we're losing, but then, and I don't know if you want to talk about this now or save it for later in the show, but, you know, Kurt Schilling coming up with his, you know, melodramatic Latin arc, Shakespearean, you know, f- theses on the cathedral wall. I don't know what's going on. You know, baseball's in, a, <laughs> baseball's in a weird, strange place where social media and politics have filtered in. I just want the game to be pure and honest. Play it well, play it aggressively, inspire the kids, and let's play ball. That's all you can ask for at the end of the day, right? There you go, Ari. On that note, fellas, I just happen to be looking at these fan graphs project projections for the Toronto Blue Jays new lineup, and they are projecting eight guys to hit over 20 home runs. What? Wow. It's slightly ridiculous. I just think it's hilarious, some of the group, and uh, this will help spawn us into where we're going with what the hell we do with all this plethora of talent all of a sudden here in a second. But uh, they are project- predicting our best player with a four-war for the season will be Boba Shett. Barely trailing him by with a 3.9 is George Springer. That is, right now, Bichette, they say, is going to have 23 home runs, 28 for Springer. Moving along, Biggio, 22. There go, Adam, points. <laughs> Vladdy with 26. Go down to Lourdes is going to do 25. Rowdy, 27. Randall Grichik, 
31. What? He's not going to play enough to get that. <laughs> That's the rest of the conversation. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and then Tay Oscar, 35. My guess is that Randall number is still left around from him, knowing, you know, beforehand that we, we didn't have Springer, that there's like, here's your early projections, right? But either way, the fact that they're talking that we're going to have basically seven starters mashed to the tune of 20 home runs and 70 RBIs is kind of the basement number out of those same players. That's pretty exciting, guys. And that's that sets Toronto Blue Jay baseball all over it, right? Chicks dig the lawn ball has been the summation of Blue Jays offense basically ever. Yeah. <laughs> so Do you guys remember, to- and you wouldn't remember this because you, you'd you have to reference it because it was 1991 when uh, vaunted shortstop Manuel, don't call him Manny Lee, played a full <laughs> season and didn't hit a single home run. And yeah. it's like it's like those days. I don't think it can even happen. I think accidentally you're going to hit a home run in today's Major League Baseball just because of the yeah. way, how hard the ball is thrown. Just put the bat out, you'll hit it. But uh, yeah, no, that that's an amazing statistic. If we see that consistently, this game will change for for the local Toronto faithful, right? They'll start looking at every game as like a spectacle of uh, of the long ball, and and why not? You know, young players mashing. That's that's what it should be. They should start doing the promo videos and showing all these new acquisitions, just hitting home runs. Yeah. Brendan, you want to pick it up or Adam? Go for it, Adam. Oh, I was just going to say, like, it's, I, I don't know. It's the, the excitement, the, the, it's just overwhelming. Right. And I was, I was just looking at this, um, this blurb about how the, the, the Jays lineup would be constructed by weighted runs created plus and everything about it. It's just it's it's music to my ears, right? And so, Craig, to your point, you know, you were looking at you said you were looking at fan graphs. Um, yeah, that was the yeah, you can't construct it incorrectly. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but the if you're doing it by weighted runs created plus, you have Springer, Biggio, Bichette, Hernandez, Gurriel, Guerrero, Tellez, Simeon, and Jansen. Jeez. Jeez. <laughs> right, and you have that's Guerrero at what seventh, sixth? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> Come on, you can't go wrong. Yes, you can't go wrong, and I wouldn't even have a problem if that was every day. I really wouldn't. And and this doesn't even. I'm telling you right now, the lineups that we have and the the team that we have is not what we're going to be walking in opening day with. It still wouldn't surprise me if, and I know we're going to get to it. If another move is going to be made, maybe another trade, depending on what opens up get Castillo it, it, yeah. there are there are options right and it, it, right now it's just so exciting seeing you can construct this four ways to Sunday but again the criticism is make sure it's consistent like I again I don't mind if Montoyo messes with it in April and May just sort of to get some sort of establishment down with the lineup but once it clicks do not mess with it I don't want to see like last year Joe panic playing DH what are we doing? No, no, no. Just no, no. make <laughs> it nice. It's there for you to play with, and then let it go. Keep it the same every day. The scary thing about those projections that you brought up, Craig, with the home runs, is that doesn't account for the catcher position, uh, just because of how the games are split between each other. But if you look at whether it's Jansen and Kirk, uh, or Jansen and whoever it is, um, if it's especially if it's Jansen and Kirk. They're going to combine for over 20 home runs as a, yes. as a tandem. And you know what? Yeah, oh, right? And even, <laughs> you know, even over a full 162, 
I know Reese McGuire was absolutely garbage this past year, and I hate using that term to describe the way he plays because it's pretty bad. But at the same time, it's kind of hard to not use that word for the way Reese McGuire was this past year. But even Reese has some power in his bat, where if he does open up as the backup and he plays somewhat consistently, he can get into a rhythm with with um, a, a consistent plate appearances. Like you could probably count on anywhere from five to ten from him. And if Jansen breaks out, Jansen has twenty plus home run power in his bat. So eh, eh, no matter where you construct it, no matter what happens, it's going to be a dangerous lineup one through nine. Um, there won't be any more Michael K comments about why is this guy batting here in this, in this order when he referred to Danny Jansen back before he hit that grand slam. Yep. But yeah, it, it, the lineup construction every day is going to be fascinating to me because I think we brought this up throughout the past, this past season. And I know it's because there's still a lot of holes you're trying to get people figured out. But I am fully under the impression that the analytics department spits out whatever the computer gives it, hands it to Charlie and be like, this is the most optimized lineup for today. And this is what you're going to do. And because Charlie is the minion of the front office and the analytics department, brace yourselves, guys. It's going to be a varying lineup almost every single day. I don't think we're going to see a John Gibbons type thing where you know it's going to be Revere, Donaldson, Bautista, no. Edwin. It's not going to be that. I would, I could see some consistency in some guys taking consistent spots, whether it's going to be Springer or... Uh, bow in the leadoff spot way more often than not but i think after maybe the cleanup hitter you're probably going to have varying lineups every single day but again the beauty of it is at this point you probably cannot get it wrong with however it's controlled. can't you can't and there's nothing there's nothing wrong with putting vlad seventh by the way and keeping no him there for not at all yeah i agree I, I think he needs to prove to himself first and foremost and the fans that he can be a consistent hitter in high leverage situations and to me you're not going to put you're not going to put him in a high leverage situation consistently if he can't prove it why not let him have you know relax down there lower in the lineup you know maybe try to protect another player just try to show some maturity in his development i, I like that he's slimmed down but he's been treated like a prima donna from the moment they signed him you know seriously like the guy had never heard about athleticism and working out because no one told him because nobody wanted to bother him he was too busy showing off his natural skill he was the prodigy be a prodigy act like a prodigy go out there and do the best you can in the situation, earn the respect of the fans, and then by midseason climb up to be the team's cleanup hitter and help them ride the wave into the playoffs. That's a hell of a lot better narrative than watching this kid struggle because when he struggles, it's embarrassing a little bit now if he has another year like this because it'll be clear that he was just completely overrated and overhyped. Fact's a fact. Yep. You know, a prodigy's not supposed to struggle this first two and a half years in, 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 in the bigs. You know, bring it. Let's see what you got now. Make him earn it. To your point about batting him lower in the lineup, I know the situations are a little bit different, but do we remember where Jose Bautista was batting primarily during his 54 home run season? He was primarily sixth or seventh that entire year uh, right. until after I think the All Star game or maybe in August, where they're like, holy crap, this breakout is real. Did they elevate him in the lineup? Yeah. But yeah, Bautista had to fight with whoever else was in that 2010 lineup. I think there were still Vernon Wells. Um, and other guys in there. Roland, yeah, I'm pretty sure he is on the 2010 team. But yeah, Bautista, the majority of that 54 home run season was batting in the bottom half of the lineup. And I don't know if Vlad's batting down there and the breakout is real. I think we could be looking at 40 plus homers. I don't know. I'm just saying. Wow. Bring it. Well, especially. What are you smoking? I love it. I love it. That's Toronto's <laughs> finest right there. 40 I mean, plus for Vlad in a full season. I love it. I mean, yeah. the rumor is they're going to be playing in Dunedin, at least for the first half of the season. Yeah. You can see him legitimately, especially in the first half, right? So assuming there's a vaccine and whatnot and things normalize, so say even by August, would it 
surprise you if in Dunedin he hits 25 up until August? Wouldn't no. surprise me at all. Not at all. Used to that place. Yeah. Hold yeah. him. Everybody why I was shocked to freak out. But hey, like I said, best life, best shape of his life, Canada, already right off the bat. More nostalgia, by the way. More nostalgic references. Scott Rowland. Oh man, was this guy? This guy was a baller. He was such a throwback. Watching him play, even as a Blue Jays, uh, you know, um, acquisition, if you will. I mean, that, he also was like, too, he didn't really want to be here, but at least the front office gave him a chance, if you remember, to rebuild his credibility after the, the injuries that he suffered. Yeah. You want to talk about quality at bats. You know, I miss a player like that. I hope Vlad can look up at a Springer and say, hey, I'm watching you and the way you approach the plate, and I'm going to stop swinging for things 60 feet out of the zone. Yeah, I'm not my dad. We've already established that. But I can can be my own man. And I like that in the minors either. I watched him enough times in the minor leagues. He didn't swing at anything unless it was. It was like had to be draight down the pipe. So so take the pressure off, man. Be down there sixth, seventh. You know, Bautista, by the way, benefited enormously from pitchers who completely and utterly underestimated him for like two and a half years. Even after he became the home run king, I think pitchers still felt they could challenge him and they'd lose because he'd get on top of their fastball. Nobody gets on top of a fastball better than Jose Bautista in his prime. Vlad has that ability. Yeah. Otherwise, you're just going to pay. <laughs> hey, man. Also, Scott Rowland gave us Edwin and Carnacion. That is so, very true. Shout out to Scott Rowland. He, he gave us doubly and and statistically this year, he picked up the biggest gain in his Hall of Fame chances. Insert segue here. Right? <laughs> All right, Craigers? As much as I love talk Hall of Fame, there's not a ton to talk about. It's the same argument every year. Steroids guys in or steroid guys out. Whoa, 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 whoa. But, but is it really, though, in the end? I mean, do we really want to lump Kurt Schilling in with Bonds and Clemens? I, Listen, I, I'm asking that honestly. Do we want to do that? Ballot, so I don't think it's even a question anymore. I don't, I don't, want, a dude, I don't want a dude that says, I don't care about going into a Hall of Fame and then writes a novel about not caring about being in the Hall of Fame. Clearly, I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> it was legitimate. It was legitimately the definition of boomer TLDR. I did not read a word of that because I just no. I'm not. It's just scroll. I'm not. It reading. was really bad baseball yes. melodrama. Like seriously, I, I felt like I was getting sucked into like a literary vortex of his mind, and there was only like bad things happening. Like you know. <laughs> Like uh, fire and brimstone and dragons, it was a it was one of the strangest things that I guess should be expected from a from a narcissist like him. Yes. Because yes. one of the symptoms of narcissism is this uh, delusion of grandeur, where you convince other people that you're somehow a victim of something. The worst part is if he just grinned, you know, you grin and bear it, and just moved on, he probably gets in next yeah. year. Oh, yeah. He's, he, he missed it by 16 votes, but you know what happened. The indignation of missing it this year when he was expecting it, because I believe he's going through some hardships in his family, missing it by such a small margin, that indignation he couldn't stomach. And so he went on the offense. And I agree with you, Adam. It's a it shows a very poor character because 
it's a Hall of Fame that means something. It's not like the Wrestling Hall of Fame. God bless the wrestling fans out there, of which <laughs> I myself was 25 years ago at some point with you know Hulk Hogan and King Kong Bundy and whatnot. But that was really old school. To me, it's all make-believe, it's fun, great. The Baseball Hall of Fame is like the most revered. Would you say it's arguably yes. one of the most revered yes. hallowed halls, right? Yes. All four of us in this, in this conversation grew up with the prerequisites you needed, the legendary prerequisites. What were they, uh, 3,000 hits? 500 home runs, right? Uh, at least a 300 average. Yes. And then over the years, you soften it a bit. Why? Because they just don't make them like they used to. <laughs> Let's be honest, man. We grew up in the best era of baseball. In my opinion, the best era, which was like, I would say, um, mid-70s mid up to oh. mid-90s. Like, take, yes. take the whole, yeah, in the mid-80s, especially the mid-80s. You know, the, the Ricky Henderson, Daryl Strawberry, yes. um, Don Mattingly, lots of cocaine, lots of alcohol. <laughs> But at least they weren't cheating. At least they weren't like doping. At least they the original PED. <laughs> exactly, exactly. I like the old school crooks a lot better than the new school, right? Because the new school were were the ones who played with the expectation and entitlement that they are somehow going to be walked into this place. And the reason Schilling hasn't, and we all know that, is because he can't keep his mouth shut. He's a very opinionated man. He's a very political figure. Yeah. And I think it was just too much when he made the comments on the, about the U.S. Capitol and the fact that uh, he has a history of saying things that offend a lot of people. And I know about you, but if I'm trying to get into the Hall of Fame as a leader of men, as they say in Gondor, right? Like I want to show off Lord of the Rings style that I deserve to be enshrined, <laughs> then I need to set an example. I need to be a model. I need like, like, you know, you guys have kids. I want your kids to say, hey, we should cheer for him. Because he inspired us and we look up to him. Nobody is saying that about Kurt Schilling. He didn't no. inspire anyone, but maybe those fans who were involved with the Red Sox and the Phillies once upon a time. And that's a big problem. He doesn't get it through his thick skull. Humility, dude. A little bit of grace goes a long way when you're an American. But if you don't have any of it, then you do weird sociopathic activity like i don't know what that was that post was just like i've been wronged to hell with this and now everybody's following him who are his supporters like lemming saying we have to facilitate him let's talk him down let's make sure he's happy what are we doing here it's a privilege it is a stone cold privilege to go to the hall of fame and anyway. you know complain like that anyway sorry for the rant it's no it's all good <laughs> at the end of the day he's a legendary arm but a but a average head he doesn't deserve to be yeah. in the hall of fame for that yeah one joke to make on your uh cocaine uh fueled uh rant there oh Brett yeah laurie did, did his damnedest to try making red bull the best drug that was on the baseball uh, yeah, field just did. saying Man, Brett Laurie, what a strange cat, man. I can't get over that dude. That dude was so amped. Seriously, it looked like one day he was going to spontaneously combust. Like he was going to have that little piece of chocolate when he was full and then his stomach would explode and he'd disappear Monty Python style. I don't know what was wrong with that dude. Way too many, you know, uppers and medication. I don't know. Or heads that little animated thing that was on the candy. Gregor, you knew you were going to get one rant. You were just wincing and waiting for it to come. So I delivered it at the end. <laughs> so anyway, let's wrap this up on where the Blue Jays go for because everybody that's been you know hammering us on the social media stuff this evening is this is all wonderful. We're great. We're happy, excited. What the hell comes next? We had mentioned the pitching staff needs to be uh, you know sorted out. There is enough, way too much question going on in starting rotation. Who takes pieces? Who does what? Where do we get these better pieces from? I got to say, first thing that comes up every week again, and it's been asked repetitively this evening, is Trevor Bauer still a Blue Jay target? And do you guys actually believe that? No. No. No? 
After that rant, what do you think the answer is? Yeah. Oh, Honestly, don't is that what we need? You know what? Actually, I think yeah, the scary thing is, Craig, I think he is a possibility. I think the Blue Jays front office just might go ahead and say, you know what? We've got all the press. We've got all the – look, we can agree that getting the focus on your team now is more important than ever because everyone's stuck at home and fans are yearning for, for something to believe in. Can you imagine if this team tomorrow goes out and announces that they've signed Trevor Bauer to a multi-year deal, whatever it is? The problem is I personally would wonder whether a guy like that could handle this market or at least the association with this market because he's such a larger-than-life personality. You know, a mercurial talent, he's figured it out. But again, he's one of those guys that, like, you ask yourself – do you really need him to take the next step forward to absolutely win? Because if the answer is yes, then you you do it. But the cultural fallout, I don't know how much you, credence you guys and how much stock you put inside building a culture or tradition of baseball. Trevor Bauer, to me, is just a really wild card, tough player to get. You know, he's like getting a James Harden. You know you're getting a talent, but you're also getting a lot of baggage and temperament that may not coalesce nicely with your goal of building a championship team. Well, you're saying you don't want to see him rifle balls into the flight deck in the middle of the game? I'm saying I hope nobody kicks. I just don't want him kicked in the balls when he's walking outside, you know, Canadian streets thinking he can just mouth off the way he does. You know, he's, he's like I said, I, I that guy also has a history. And unlike Springer, who was associated with the team, Bauer to me is like a lightning rod for controversy. It seems like, you know, and, and by the way, we were talking off mic about the importance of uh, social media grace you know, how you work professionally, the guy doesn't care. He'll say anything or do anything. And is this media company owned Blue Jays team prepared mm. to chase after him? You're going to need like four PR guys who look like, you know, Israeli commandos guarding him just to make sure he doesn't hit send on Twitter and ruin the brand, which we know you can do pretty quickly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Anyway, well, so you and I, you and I talked about that, Craig, a couple of years back with the whole uh, decision to, uh, you know, to address what happens when a player does something controversial, you know, so I just don't want to, I, I don't want that headache personally. I see the G's, you know, if they can get him, great, but there are other options too. Okay, brick of money to Bauer aside, where do we go? And what okay. do you guys think is a viable option? I think we've mentioned on this show many a times, Taiwan Walker seems to be the easy answer. Um, do you fellas see anybody outside of Taiwan Walker that has been coming around that actually legitimately have a shot at Odo. Excellent. It would be nice. Odo Rizzi, yeah. yeah it's stable. You can probably get both Odo Rizzi and Walker. That makes a nice argument right there. Yes. There was uh, a media availability after um, the whole Springer presser with um, uh, definitely some Sportsnet guys, and there was one quote from Ross Atkins that makes me think that something's brewing here, guys. He said, we're at the point now where if we want to, or if we were to acquire two major pieces, it would require likely subtracting from a big league roster, not for financial reasons, but for opportunity reasons. And to me, that screams a Cubs with uh, Kyle Hendricks and Chris Bryant, or maybe a Reds with Luis Castillo and Eugenio Suarez. And they do have some major pieces. I would, I could name four guys. Adam, you're not going to like me naming one of them, but it, I think he's very much in play for the right package. Uh, Kevin, even though he's probably the, le- the guy I want to move the least uh, of the guys in the big league roster uh, of the four, there's probably Kevin, um, whether it's Danny Jansen or Alejandro Kirk, one of the catchers, because they have five on their 40-man roster right now. They need to make some space. Um, and then one of the two outfielders. I think T. Oscar is pretty much off the table, uh, but Lourdes 
and Randall. Randall's probably the least attractive piece that they have right now on the big league roster, just because even though making just shy of $10 million and they say one war, which Gritchick could probably produce, is worth about $8 million. We slightly overpaid when you look at it from that perspective. But um, Lourdes or Biggio or Jansen are probably the three that are the most attractive to a team right now. And they saying Kevin's playing third base. In all those trade scenarios, the two position players are third basemen, whether it's Bryant or Eugenio Suarez. Um, so... I don't know. I think I think that kind of tips the cap, or, or just I think you could peer into that a little bit more and maybe read beyond just the the tweet that or, actually, or uh, that uh, Arden's Welling put out there. I think there's some legs to a deal somewhere, um, and one could happen. Do you mind if I and offer you some some pushback on that? Yeah, go friend? for it. Um, I think honestly, after reviewing the contracts and after looking at how they're spending the money and you know the the surplus of contracts that they've been giving out, it wouldn't surprise me if Tay Oscar is on the block, right? And I agree with you that Graychuk is the one that we would like to trade the most because yeah. he's the one that doesn't fit the most. And given the contract, it's really kind of shitty to have that much money as a as a fourth outfielder. But at the same time, I think they love Lourdes. Right. And today, Springer specifically mentioned Bo, Vladdy, Lourdes, Cabin. I think that was you don't trade one of them away if they were a big reason why the most marquee free agent you've ever signed joins the team. True. Right. Right now, Tay Oscar is in his arbitration years. He has two more and they're only going to keep increasing. Whereas Lourdes, his contract is, you know, the same. It's 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 stagnant. Um same thing with Springer. You know what you have him for. Really wouldn't surprise me if they if they traded Tay Oscar, so they don't have to play him, pay him those RBs. They don't have to negotiate with him for an extension if they don't want to, right? And you could convert Cavan into an outfield at that point. And then you have Austin Martin coming probably next year, who can supplement that, and you can then move Cavan back to first base if Simeon doesn't stay. I think it makes sense to trade Tay Oscar right now. And I, as much as I don't want him traded because he kind of broke out. Maybe it's a sell high. You know, that's a good point because when you go into arbitration each year, his salary is going to go up and up and up where with Springer, you know what you're paying him. Randall, you know what you're paying him and Goriel, you know what you're paying him moving forward. And yeah, Bishio. Yeah, exactly. So I, uh, that's I didn't think of that. That is definitely possible. Um, I believe in the breakout. I think others do too, but I, I, I can absolutely see somebody like the Cubs, if they want a major league piece back, being like, yeah, we'll take the Oscar. To your point, one of the more highly rated offseason shows we've had so far on this uh, show is the, Cub, the pending Cubs fire sale. And we talked extensively for a whole episode on the fact that the Cubs look like they're going to be selling. In the midst of this, how much of this do you think they're ready to compete in the next couple of years by getting somebody like Tay Oscar in a trade? Or are they looking to get somebody in their prime when they actually are good again, which would I would be the Kevin Biggio argument, in my opinion, on that piece. First, if, if you're really talking about it, you know, you're t- they're going to get rookies one way or the other prospects. But that other, quote unquote, major league ready piece, are the I agree that the Cubs would love to have somebody like Teoscar Hernandez just destroying everything in the uh, Wrigley Field, the friendly confines. It makes sense. But in the midst of that, do they maybe, are they leaning more toward younger, maybe going to be peaking 
in two years, three years, instead of, you know, next couple years like Teoscar's. But the nice thing about Teoscar is you can give him some consistency in the middle of that lineup for two years. And then we get what we want in Chris Bryant, Kyle Hendricks. What do you yeah. guys think? And, you know, and with the Darvish deal, that didn't ring true because they got a lot of lower depth minor league talent that yeah. probably won't be ready in two, three years. Right. That's and if they I'm are. Yeah. The specifically where the yeah. Reds are a little different. Yeah, you're going to have to pay a premium to get Castillo. But if you're if you're doing the Cubs deal with Bryant and Hendricks, I don't know that it, it might not even cost you anything on the major league roster. I'm being serious. It, it might not. Now, and the only two untouchables that I would feel that are in the system are Martin and Woods Richardson. Maybe like otherwise. Not lumping look, Pearson in the prospect thing anymore, just to be clear, right? Okay, then no, no. I, I, I'm saying as a young talent. So even then, yeah, <laughs> like it, it would probably take you, it cost you a, a cloth. And I know this is going to break your heart, Craig, but I would throw in Perdino. I really would. If it meant having the control of Hendricks and having that stopgap year at Bryant mashing at third base, I'd do it. I do it all day, every day, too. My biggest okay. thing in that trade scenario is I think if you're selling Cardinio right now after a bounce where he's due to bounce back this season from an offseason and, you know, surgery last year. Yeah. yeah. You're selling really low on Cardinio's talent. And it's literally the name power of the, you know, the, the, the kid from Brazil. Right. You know, situation right now. I would I honestly wonder how much that surgery is really hurting his trade value. But then again, you know, he hasn't played above single A. You know, it's really hard to really protect what he's going to do. We, uh, I've seen the kid pitch, and I have no doubts in my mind that he's going to be at least a mid-tier arm. You know, I think he's going to be even better and probably even uh, pushing for an ace job throughout his career. But, like I said, I don't think that um, other baseball teams are going to be thinking that same thing. He would end up being that wild card slash throw-in and kind of on that same level as somebody like Zach Davis. And, mm. unfortunately, he's yeah. Zach Davis be mean to Zach Davis because he's been looking pretty damn good the last couple of years, but it is what it is. You know, I just think that it's going to take somebody with that. I think you're going to be in that ballpark of our mid guys uh, to get just Chris Bryant, you know, 15th level prospect or something like that. And then if you want, are going after Kyle Hendricks, he's the one that would be the more sought after person. Yeah. More expensive. And I think that is where the blue Jays are going to have the poor, fork up the major league close to ready kind of guy mm. where we're talking here and uh hey Oscar and randall company i just don't see that those guys unless randall is literally just a uh here take this and balance the salary out a little bit while they're doing everything i right. really think that's the only way that gets done with randall and that deal with the cubs anyways and like we were saying they're gonna have to literally uh throw the freaking prospect wallet at the freaking reds to get luis castillo and uh suarez right yeah, Brian, Brian alone wouldn't cost much at all. But if I don't think it makes much sense to go after Brian if you're not at least trying to get Kyle Hendricks either. Hendricks is the one that will uh, make the prospect capital go up. Brian alone, whew, I don't think he could fetch very much for the Cubs right now. I don't I, think he could. I agree. Yeah, just yeah. with his money left down year two, I, uh, it, it's, it's Hendricks that makes it. Kind of like with the Reds, if you were just going after Suarez, I think he could get more on his own than, than Bryant would for the Cubs. But it, it's the pitching that uh, definitely brings the price up for sure. Ari, you look very perplexed. Come on. I know. Let it out, man. No, there's nothing to be perplexed about. It's uh, it's the same thing of uh, how we, uh, we're seeing stocks. Well, maybe not today because they're all being artificially inflated. <laughs> I just, uh, 
I just bought a couple of shares of BlackBerry and uh, Bed Bath and Beyond because I'm excited. <laughs> but uh, no, it's it's if it comes down to choosing between yeah, Blockbuster, good reference there. If it if it comes down to choosing between uh, a player that you know is probably peaked in in Hernandez, I, I'm saying that of course, not knowing at all, he might continue his his ascension. Uh, he really picked up his game in so many ways, but. At the end of the day, I think that uh, you don't you don't trade Guriel, you don't touch Guriel, you let Guriel continue to evolve on this team as part of this nucleus of players who are growing up together. There's a lot of collateral in that. Hernandez to me is a different cat because he was a reclamation project. That surprise actually fucking worked out. Good for Shapiro and Atkins to finally get one of these projects that they can kind of maybe hang their hat on. So maybe now you're thinking, well, what if he's a Batista? What if you trade him away and he goes on a barrage in the NL? You know what? That's fine. It's not a big deal. You, 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 you're going to get value if you can pull a trade for one of the players we've been talking about on the Cubs. But for me, Hernandez, um, he's still that guy who doesn't help you with station to station baseball. And I think the analytics are important for this team. They want guys who have on base percentages that allow them to make things happen by being on base. Hernandez is still too much of a one dimensional or all or nothing player. That uh, if you have a chance to make this trade, you, you do it. You you risk it. He's the stock that you can let go of. You don't touch Guerrero Jr. and then find out, you know, two to three years later when he's winning potentially MVP, which he could. He's got he's got the chops to do it, especially in this protected lineup. They could do some really creative things with him in the lineup, a lot more, I think, than they can with Hernandez. Agreed. 100%. All right. Well, that answers the basically the summation of all of our Twitter uh, and Facebook and whatnot collective from the Jays Nation. So thank you, fellas. <laughs> so And thank you for everybody submitting those questions about what the heck's next. We're very tantalized at what could be coming next, and obviously there's plenty of options. We um, are all in agreement that it's going to center around pitching, though. Does this line up? Eh, pretty sad. Yeah. Just saying. <laughs> so, fellas, is there any other topics you would like to get off your chest before we run off the, you know, into the regular off week here? I guess until next Wednesday. Nah, I'm no? tanks empty for me, man. I'm good. <laughs> As he table flips about Kevin Biggio, and <laughs> no, you can't do that. Oh wait, yes, I miss my bills. That's all. Yeah, That's... I miss my bills. Uh, I, uh, I'm sorry, guys. After a special season like that for the first time in years, you miss it, and you cannot. The, you will be the most excited for the kickoff of next NFL season that you have been in forever. That's yep. just how much it. Like that's just how it is. Same team, Adam and I fell in love with it. Watched all season, didn't bother showing up this past Sunday. I know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, and for people listening, next Tuesday is when we're going to record. Yes. Next Tuesday, not Tuesday. right. I forgot we have one next week. So Tuesday next week at 7 p.m. Yes. Until then, I hope everybody has been noticing the wonderful fun that Adam, Brendan, and I have been having with Quick Hits. We're going to yes. try getting you guys as more content as we humanly possibly can. Luckily, there has been a few things for us to chit-chat and whatnot about over the last few weeks. Or actually, last... Yeah, it's been about two weeks we've been doing the quick hits now, yes, right? Yeah, yeah. So, obviously, we're going to keep filling those up more. And as Blue Jay News continues more and more daily, we're going to give you more and more Blue Jays content. And speaking of wonderful, fun content, we just started this today. And we're going to make it available because through the Blue Jay Twitterverse, we have been getting more and more feedback about people that for some reason want to donate to the show or at least to our beer fund or they want to get a little trinket or you maybe join us on the show. So I started one of the Patreon accounts 
that everybody can dive into. It is patreon.com slash birdwatchinggc. We have a regular standard donation thing. If you're interested, five bucks a month, fine. Other pieces, we are actually offering a founder's package exclusively to 25 Blue Jay fans. And what you get for that donation on that one is 10 bucks a month, is you were actually going to schedule one of those quick hits that I was just alluding to, to literally interview you with the gang here on your Blue Jay fandom and just have a nice little chat. And that is what you get for joining us more or less as a quasi-member of Jade Word Watching. And obviously, thank you very much to everybody that even brought this up and brought this to our attention. Because honestly, I was kind of floored when anybody was actually interested in this idea. And like I said, this came purely from Jay's Nation. This wasn't something we cooked up on our own. <laughs> so there you go. You guys, have anything you want to add to that? uh no we 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 love for the uh the support we we hope uh you're interested in doing that um last thing i will say before we wrap up is uh craig brennan and i we were just on uh the stadium scene 10 minutes with you podcast that will be released next week uh it will be a youtube and uh audio version so yo shout out the stadium scene for the support we appreciate you guys Love having you guys and love being part of the team, which is apparently rather extensive. I knew we were doing really well, but I was shocked when he gave us the numbers on what 170 different sports at outcast right. outlet. That was right. really, really cool. And uh, very, very fun, obviously for us to be a part of it. And um, it's good stuff until then next week, guys, um, get us just on social media, chit chat with the gang, Ari Shapiro. You got any parts of wisdom here before we, you know, your shameless self-promoting for your own podcast here? Just a second. Hang on, hang on. Let me just buy Atari stock, Kodak, (laughs) and Sanyo. Sorry, man. I just wanted to build my portfolio. No, always a pleasure, gentlemen, to be on your show. And uh, you shouldn't be surprised, by the way, that Jay's Nation loves you the way uh, they do. You guys do great work. It's a lot of fun to be on this show. And above all else, it makes us appreciate just how wonderful the sport can be amidst all this fear and loathing. You guys bring a smile to a lot of people's faces, myself included. So thanks for having me on. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Ari. Pleasure as always. So until next week, uh, Blue Jays fans, uh, two claps and a Ric Flair. Let's do it. Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And we're out. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you, with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.